Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and I'm here with Sweet Daddy Jay. <laughs> hey, you're never gonna. Good morning. I'm never gonna Sweet move Daddy beyond Daddy that, Jay. Jay. Yeah. Until That's until right. something until something. Uh, I've had worse nicknames, George. Until something better comes up. I've had worse nicknames. Yeah. So I'll take it. I'll take it. I know you were called friendly yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I was a fr- I was pretty friendly. <laughs> I had all my friendly hair. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That gave me a good laugh. That gave <laughs> me a good laugh yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to fill everybody else in because they'll they're clueless what you're talking about. I didn't take a picture. Oh. I have to go have to go watch the the sermon from yeah from Sunday and see uh, see Jay's friendly haircut. I don't think I can make it do it. No, I have to take the hat off. It's gonna no, be crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's just my regular hair without me putting gel in it. Yeah. So you guys were thrown off by it though. I, uh, it threw you off big time. It was noticeable. Yeah. <laughs> and then I told you, and for some reason you thought this was really funny. I don't really know why it's that funny, George. I told you, I said, Angie Angie says that this haircut makes me look more friendly. Mm-hmm. And you laughed. Why did you laugh so hard? You have a big, real just, big belly laugh, George. I did. I did. You don't agree with that? I, I just, <laughs> unexpected, I guess. It's just unexpected. Yeah. I well, got a good laugh out of it. So now, because of your big giant laugh at that making me be friendly, I might have to have a high and tight. <laughs> I think I'm going to do it. I think I'm just going to go back to my old hair hairstyle and just get it high and tight. Mm-hmm. Maybe that will make me look friendly. I doubt it. I don't, I don't know if I'd be expecting people to come up and be like, oh, you, you look so friendly today. I could pull it off in this town, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably wouldn't roll with it maybe in Kansas City or something like that. Mm. But it'd be normal around here. Speaking of Kansas City... Mm. Good segue. I like that. That's professional like that. podcasting. That is. Right? <laughs> yeah. You got to look you got to be on the lookout for those transitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well yeah. here's the th- here's the weird thing. Did did I throw it to you? That's what know. you'll have to ask yourself later. It'll probably keep me up at night. <laughs> so, Super Bowl. So, we're recording Monday. So, Super Bowl was last night. Yeah. Did you watch the Super Bowl? So, I did watch some of it. Yeah. Uh, I watched very little of it. Mm. I'll tell you what I did yesterday. It was quite glorious, I must say. I uh, So I refurbished that smoker. I'll have to bring pictures next time and show it to you. I had this smoker mm-hmm. that I got before we left Kansas City. It was given to me. It's a sidebox smoker. It's real heavy. You know, it's like, I don't know if it's made out of iron or steel or whatever it is. But it's super rusted, so I spent a lot of time. A couple weeks, I got all the rust out. Got a grinder. Got all the rust out. I got primed up refurbished it i mean it looks like looks like it's brand new so i tried it out yesterday mm-hmm. and uh it was great i just sat there and watched uh i had to, well i had to monitor it mm-hmm. you know the fire but just sat there and it was nice so yeah. we had a really we had a really we had a really busy month um and i and i love to be around people all the time like i i I love it. Love to be around God's people, the church stuff. But, but there's the but. <laughs> just the way I'm wired is I've got a cap. I've yeah. got like a monthly cap. I've got a daily cap and a monthly cap. Once the monthly cap's full, I need like an ass Sunday afternoon mm-hmm. where I just like sit there and don't talk to a person. 
And that's my Sabbath. That's like my monthly Sabbath reset. Yeah. So, yeah, I missed a lot of the Super Bowl, but I just sat there and watched the smoke come out of the smoker, spent some time by myself with God, and it was actually pretty glorious. Took me about five and a half hours to make those ribs. One of them turned out amazing, one rack. The other rack was not good because I'm still learning how to do it, Mm -hmm. you know. But that was it, man. Uh, Kids did their, you know, my my older kids did their thing. Of course, Evangeline. She's somebody, you know, you wind her up and she just runs around, runs around, runs around, runs around, and then eventually she'll she'll wear down. So sat there, she ran around. Angie got to chill out as well. I could just spend time alone and with Angie. There's my recharge. Boom. Now I'm back. Who knows what the sermon will be like next Sunday? <laughs> Might be an hour and a half long, you yeah. know? You got to recharge, though. Yeah. You ever feel like that? You just got to get a recharge? Oh, yeah. What is it? February 12th? February 13th? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've been at my cap for the last week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you rolled off, George. You can get you a good reset. That's kind of one of the bonuses, splitting time preaching. Mm. Now you can just reset yourself. There's a lot of pastoral burnout, and Mm. I think one of the considerations people should make is that maybe because... uh, Maybe one man shouldn't be preaching 52 Sundays a year. Maybe that contributes to some of the burnout. Yeah. There are, of course, absolute workhorses out there, like John MacArthur, Mm. who could probably preach five times a day. But I'm not sure that he's a regular human. (laughs) He and Charles Spurgeon, you know what I mean? Yeah. But Charles Spurgeon did die young. He did. He probably burned himself out. Yeah. He probably did. He didn't quit, though. That's the thing. <clears throat> he may have worked himself to death, but at least he didn't quit. Huh? <laughs> a lot of these yeah. guys just quit. They just quit the ministry. Mm-hmm. So better to just work yourself to death and quit. How about that? No, is that not good advice? If for the Lord's work, it's good. Huh? Yeah. I mean, if if it's between those two, <laughs> it's between those two options. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think we're at risk of that because we uh, we get to rotate off. Right. So now it's your time to recharge. Yeah. But you you brought up the Super Bowl for a reason. I'm well, I'm you know, for the rest of for the rest of us pagans who watched the Super Bowl and didn't sit and watch smoke coming out of their smoker. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty good game. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a blowout. Yeah. Yeah. You hate, you hate it when it's like the Super Bowl and it's just a complete blowout. Yeah. No, yeah. It, was, it was actually it was, good, an, yeah. it was actually a pretty good game. Yeah. But uh, that's not what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about Todd Bentley. Do you know, do you know Todd Bentley? Of course I do. Of course I know Todd Bentley. Uh, Todd Bentley, he's a Word of Faith preacher. Uh-huh. Um, his, uh, he's, he le- he's famous for uh, telling stories about kicking old women in the face with his uh, biker boots yeah. because God told him to. To cure them. To, to heal them. Yeah. yeah. To, to give them a healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's he's uh, an adulterer, I believe. He, he is. He cheat, so a he is. pastor cheats on his wife. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I wouldn't call him a pastor anyway. He's a con artist. Con artist cheats on his wife, mm. and then he gets a different one apparently and moves on and mm. continues with his false faith healing, yeah, money laundering scheme. Mm. Yeah. Well, he tweeted he tweeted something last night. Yeah, I thought you would. I thought you would. No pun intended. Get yeah. A, get a kick out of it. 
Okay. That's a good one. That's <laughs> that's professional podcasting. You like that? Okay. Uh, here's uh, here's Todd Bentley's tweet from uh, from last night. Are we seeing prophecy fulfilled? Congrats to the Chiefs on the Super Bowl win. The Kansas City Chiefs just won the Super Bowl for filling this prophetic word by Bob Jones that a great awakening will start in America when. I don't even, that's that's a terrible sentence. Anyway, the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl and we have the revival, <laughs> Wilmore, ah, Kentucky. He, 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 tagged uh, a, he tagged a revival? Yeah. So oh here's, uh, here's the, uh, here's, the uh, prophecy that he's <laughs> he's referencing from Bob Jones. <laughs> oh my Bob Jones told me at least 10 times, quote, when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, you will know that revival is about to come. God is raising up his apostolic chiefs. Oh, my goodness. That's cultural appropriation and prophecy. <laughs> huh? You can't say that. He can't say that, George. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> So we got Bob Jones. Bob Jones apparently uh, prophesying that a revival is going to come with the Can- when the uh. Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Kansas City Chiefs have won the Super Bowl, and they're they won is, it a couple uh, years ago. They too. did. Yeah, they did. Well, I'm not saying that Bob Jones isn't a false prophet, <laughs> <laughs> but now there is uh, there's this um, this maybe revival in uh, in Asbury college in kentucky this may be revival well i, I mean i'm still kinda, yeah i'm still kind of yeah, yeah. in the wait and see we'll wait talk and see mode we'll, we'll talk about that we'll talk about it friday on friday yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll talk about the asbury um revival on friday but okay. um i i just thought that you'd find the todd bentley uh i did tweet i found that quite amusing so kansas city chiefs have won and uh Apostolic chiefs are being raised up everywhere. Apostolic chiefs are being raised. Maybe you are an apostolic chief. And if you will send me $5,000, I'll certify you as an apostolic chief and sign it personally. Just make it out to Conform to Christ podcast. (laughs) Huh? Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. That's how they do it, dude. That's how they do it. They sell apostolic ticket, like certifications. Did you know that? Yeah. Well, now you did if you didn't. They sell apostolic certifications. Who is the chief apostle that certifies the first apostle certification of munder, money launderers? That's what they are. It's the mm. it's money laundering. Yeah. <clears throat> well, what a start we have to this text driven Tuesday. Yeah. Did you see the Did you see the uh, the jacket that Demar Hamlin was wearing last night? I did. It's it was it was uh, not good. Ugh. Yeah. Is it a brand or is it something? He He's just, a professing Christian, right? Supposedly, is that really him? Though I saw somebody that said he doesn't have a tattoo on his hand. That's not him. He, you know that? Is it really him? There was the conspiracy that uh, they had. Some they replaced like that. They replaced him with because yeah. he either died or <laughs> yep. was not doing well. Mm-hmm. Well, it's secret wars. I mean, it's happening, right? Yeah, yeah. replacing all replacing these... people. Yeah. It was not a great looking jacket, though. No, it was very bad. Yeah, very bad. Maybe we'll. Do you have it on your screen, or do you want to show it on free for all? We can show it on free for all if you want to. I don't have it. Todd Bentley is going down to that uh, that revival. Yeah, he uh, he tweeted that also yesterday yeah. that he was heading down there. So, well, I imagine the devil's pretty curious. Yeah, so I could see how he would dispatch his gonna officers. Start, gonna start kicking people, I guess. Yeah. 
He kicks the door open. Todd is here. We can get this party started. Yeah. yeah. Todd Bentley. What a what a crazy guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. They should they'll probably kick him out. Do you think? I bet they do. I bet Todd Bentley shows and if he like, if he comes down there trying to um like like steal the show. <laughs> trying to get up on stage or yeah. or trying to attract people around him. I I think so. That I mean, well, We'll talk about it on Friday, but it, it seems it doesn't seem like this is like charismania. Doesn't it, seem, it seems like it seems like it's pretty orderly from from everything I'm I'm reading and seeing. It it doesn't seem like people are just going crazy. It, it seems like the the um, the people in charge are keeping it under control. Right. So if someone like Todd Bentley shows up and starts to make it a circus. Right. I would think that they would show him the door. Yeah, that'd be good. That would be a good thing. Or maybe he'll walk in the door and actually get converted. Yeah, that would be good too. You know what I mean? Fall on his face. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that'd be good too. Yeah. All right. Well, we're uh, we're almost fifteen minutes in. Um, well, it's and Monday. Uh, there's, you know, uh, you know there's you stuff know, we could talk about. There's 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 stuff that we could talk about, but maybe we'll maybe we'll save it. For, it's Monday uh, for us. That's what people don't realize, and we got to ease into it. It's Monday you know morning for us. Yeah, we got to ease into this. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, we've got we've got stuff we can talk about on Friday. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're back in Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Ecclesiastes chapter eight. Yes. Um. How's it feel being back? It's good. Yeah, yeah. Do you do you kind of have to warm up when you get up there, or are you just like, I never had, never even had a break. Well, I think teaching Sunday school keeps me pretty fresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If if I so if I have a break and I don't teach, mm-hmm. then yeah. Okay. But I ha- I teach Sunday school and then I taught what is the gospel. So I was already hyped up. Mm-hmm. Like you already got my blood pressure up before I even start church because I just taught for forty five minutes on the gospel. So yeah, yesterday I was ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like taking batting practice before the game. Mm. Sunday school gets you ready. Okay, for church. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Huh? Yeah. All right, so maybe get us back into the book because it's been what a month, yeah, five, My, five yeah. weeks, yeah, yeah, probably. So, uh, so maybe get us back into the to the book. All right, so refresher Ecclesiastes, the strangest book in the Bible, perhaps, other than maybe Revelation. Um, you pick up the book, you read the book, and you think, what is this book doing in the Bible? It's so odd in its style and the things it talks about. And you may even ask yourself the question, um, are we supposed to think about things like this? Is uh, is this divinely inspired? But yes, this is divinely inspired. It's part of its brilliance. Ecclesiastes is written by Solomon. Uh, he is the son of David, the king of Israel, identifies himself right off the bat. I'm not I'm not down with these guys that say we don't know who wrote it. It was written like after the fact and slapped the name Solomon. Just doesn't fit for me. So I go with what the text says. Son of David, king in Jerusalem, Solomon, wisest man to ever live. Mm-hmm. Asked for wisdom. One God, God told him, I'll give you anything you ever, that you ask for, anything in the world, and he asked for wisdom. And so Solomon, at the end of his life, he didn't have a great... I think he didn't have a great life because he... 
he got sidetracked and he wandered off into seeking after things that would fulfill him outside of God. And I think at the end of his life, he wrote this book as part of his repentance and a reflection on the world. And it's very real. That's the first thing you notice when you read this book. This book explains you, your own heart, the human heart, in a way that you're like, how does he know me? That's that's the common thing people will say. And how does he know? He just knows the world so well. He talks about the things in the world that everybody thinks, but they don't say. He starts this book off, and it really tells you where he's driving at in the first couple of verses. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils at under the sun? So he's telling you right off the bat, what can you gain? Like if you don't have God as your starting point and foundation and the ultimate aim of what you're aiming for in life and your purpose, and you were to try to find purpose and try to find satisfaction in any number of things in the world, what would happen? And he tells you it's all vanity. It's vanity of vanity. And that word vanity is uh, has a range of meanings. It means something like, it can mean meaningless, it can mean vapor or temporary, fleeting, it can mean absurd. So context is going to dictate what it, how he's using that word. And he tells you, you don't have to go on this big journey in life to try to find ultimate meaning and satisfaction, because I already tried it. So imagine you're the richest, one of the richest men in the world. You have, you're a king. You have all power. You can do anything you want. No one's going to stop you. And so he, he pursues anything his heart desires. Um, he even pursued wisdom. He pursued wisdom as an end in itself. And he said that that's, that just brought sorrow, because with great wisdom, it just increases your sorrow. Um, he pursued money and wealth, and he talks about the dangers of that. Now that will leave you empty and lonely. Um, women, he had hundreds of wives and concubines, and he said this too is meaningless. Um, power, entertainment, alcohol, um, what else? You name it. You pick one, he pursued it, he found it as vanity. He said that it's all a striving after the wind. You can't catch the wind, and he's telling you, listen, reader, you pursue life, Outside of God, as if there, you can find ultimate meaning apart from God, you're going to find nothing. You're going to find it empty. But it's also a wisdom book, so he begins to reflect on things in the world like worship. We learned a great deal, I think, there in that section on worship. He talks about oppression and injustice. He talks about um, how do we apply wisdom and live in a world under governmental leaders. So this is a wide variety of things he's addressing, and now he turns his attention in this, in these verses in 10 through 13 to this problem of injustice that we see in the world, that there is injustice in the world. Um, there's this desire, I think, just for justice built into everyone. So this is a universal problem that people see in the world. And so he's going to help us to think through this carefully in his own creative style, um, and that's what it is today, 10 through 13, an examination of justice and injustice. Okay. Is that, is that good enough intro? That was a good intro, good review All of the right. book. Yep. Right. Anyone that wants more can just go back and you know, listen, listen to, to those sermons. sermons. Yeah. yeah. We're, that's over at our church website, though. Mm-hmm. That's not, um, I think it's on iTunes, too. I don't, I don't know that we're on a lot of other platforms right now. Look to remedy that in the future, but they're on YouTube and they're on 
<clears throat> iTunes, Christ Fellowship Church. Yeah. So there it is. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's. Um, and this is part of uh, a kind of a bigger section. Mm. You had to take kind of an unnatural mm-hmm. break in in kind of a big section. Yeah. What uh, I'm trying to remember where that section started. The beginning start. of eight, he begins to talk about how wisdom can make your face shine. Mm. In other words, even though this world's broken, right, it's good to have wisdom and to utilize it. Mm-hmm. Now, we already talked about a great detail how Solomon, he can apply wisdom to a whole lot of things, and he'll help us do that. But he had a problem applying it to himself. Right. And that's the big warning. Yeah. It's, it's, doesn't make sense. Well, let's use Solomon's term. It's vanity. Yeah. It's absurd that Solomon could apply wisdom everywhere, but right. for him, to himself, we don't want to do that. Yeah, right. All right. Well, let's have you read um, chapter eight, verses ten through thirteen. Or did you want to? Start I'll start at nine. nine. Yeah, nine. Nine, nine kind of helps us nine. to because it keeps us in the flow of thought. Because mm-hmm. he just slides. Oh yeah. From one thought to the mm-hmm. next so easily, like right. this. Right. All this I observed. Sorry, I jumped the gun before it was on the screen. <laughs> All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done that is done under the sun, when man had power over man to his hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This is this also is vanity. Because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God, because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow, because he does not fear before God. There you go. All right, so we are talking about injustice. Indeed. Um, so you, uh, you had a, a pretty good intro on why this is so important. And okay. I think it yeah. would be beneficial to go over that again. Okay. Do you want me just to start at the beginning of the intro? The very beginning of the sermon, or are you thinking just in general? I'm just thinking, well, you you, you had, you had right before you, you jumped into your outline, you said this is important because... Okay. Um, All right, gotcha. A wrong understanding of this can lead you down uh-huh. some dangerous roads. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so first off, we have to come to this this realization. Everyone's going to encounter injustice in the world. Many people already have. Um, this is this is reality. This is kind of a return a recurring word, and something I think Solomon's probably helped me with personally. And I think I even said it before. Like, it's to be an optimist is a good thing. And I would say I lean that way. It's a good thing. It can really help you a lot. It's definitely better, I think, but then than being pessimistic a lot. Some people are just naturally inclined one way or the other to be a pessimist or an optimist. But Solomon helps us to be a realist. To that's how we want to live as Christians, as realists. Um you can be the most optimistic person in the world. You're going to encounter injustice. Now, you may see it, maybe done to you personally, and and we always want like when we see it, it. Hopefully, if you know we're we have empathy, we want justice done for someone else. 
but even the most selfish person on the face of the planet always wants justice done for themselves. So if you wrong someone, they have this in, this built-in sense of justice, and they want justice. Um, but we also can uh, see that many times it's never done. So Solomon helps us to grapple with this reality that we might see injustice and experience it and may see that possibly it looks to us like nothing ever happens. And so we want to get it right. Uh, we want this inbuilt sense of justice to help to guide us in God's world and to help us to look to God and hope and to help us to persevere in the world if we have a good biblical understanding of this. But if we don't, some bad things can happen. Um, it can, it can uh, lead to our own detriment. It can begin to make us think wrong things about God. So we can think about God as if he is not just, or he doesn't care. That might lead us down a road to the place where we could say, perhaps God's not even real. So that introduces us now to the problem of evil, and we can succumb to thinking incorrectly about God. But hopefully we'll have our minds kind of shaped by Solomon's way of viewing and examining this problem, and the conclusions we come to can help us to persevere in a fallen world. Is that what, is that what you were remembering? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if you wanted to hear the funny, the funny, funny from R.C. Well, Sproul. I didn't know if you were going to pull yeah. up that video for us or not. It's, uh, hey. it's pretty good. Yeah. Well, you're. I'll save that for the end. For okay. those who will listen to the end, you'll get a little surprise. Okay. A little R.C. Sproul. Well, they. Uh, I mean, you're right. Everyone gets this. They have a sense of justice. They all. They all know when something bad has happened. Right, and it. That's why I said if you've got kids, you already know because as soon as they can make a sentence, one of the first sentences they ever make is "That's not fair," mm. <laughs> right? And so it may be, it may be that it's not fair. Or they may just being selfish, but they still have that sense of justice. Yeah, even at a tiny age, right? Young children. Yeah. Every culture's got it. I mean, so <laughs> uh, and so here's here's where you get into a little bit of. Uh, how do you reason with non-believers? Okay, even the most hardcore non-believer, atheist, mm. agnostic atheist, they may even say absurd things. I, I encountered one that said that, uh, and this is in real life, that said that what Hitler did in Germany was wrong in our culture because we decided it was wrong, but in their culture that it was right, and he said, this is, of course, the logical conclusion because there is no God. <laughs> So I said, okay, I just want, just want to know you're on the record as saying that it was okay in their culture. Yeah. Right. But that's where that's where unbelief takes you to, to these places. So at least he's trying to be consistent with his own understanding of the world. But if I were then to rear back and you know, crack him in the jaw, right, and he gets up off the ground, he's probably gonna call the police. Mm -hmm. Why? It didn't matter cosmically wasn't even wrong well in our culture <laughs> yeah today in our culture i would just go boo yeah and they'd fall over the ground and that would be an assault on their person mm -hmm. you know yeah they'd call the police call them by the wrong pronoun yeah you just destroyed my personhood <laughs> yeah but yeah so there it is i mean yeah perfect example you called me by the wrong pronoun you just did a great wrong to me really did I do you a wrong? Well, if someone says that, you have an in mm -hmm. with the gospel right. right then. Right. And you can't escape it. This is part of... So the world is completely... I mean, the picture that I have uh, 
that I share uh, well, that's up behind me when I preach is a desert for a reason. It's communicating something, and it says emptiness east of Eden. The world after the fall, we leave the Garden of Eden, which is a real pl- which was a real place, a garden paradise with God, in God's presence. We enter to the desert of. Well, shall I use a matrix? Oh, sure. We entered into the desert of the real. Right. Yeah, you don't sound nearly as cool. I'm as not as cool as Lawrence Fishburne when he's. Well, there. that's because I am not black and I don't have that cool black voice. What you you don't? I said I'm a realist. I said I'm a realist. Mm. Who has a cooler voice than Morgan Freeman? You you pick one right now, and I'll I'll repent. And, James Earl Jones? No. No. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, again, we're making the point clear. Realism. We want to live by realism in the world. You know. So, anyway, sidebar. Let's <laughs> let's reel it back in. We're, get me back on track, George. We're, what were we talking you about? Got, <laughs> Maybe just jump right into the passage. Three movements of thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was an important point. I know it was. Okay. I know it was. All I know right. it was. All right. What was it? You've got an in. You've got an in right there. Boom. With unbelievers. We, we all have this. You can't sense shake of, it. Yeah, we all you have cannot sense shake of injustice. It. It's there. It's Oh, it's God's grace, east of Eden. Mm-hmm. God's grace still exists. Part of the good, goodness he's given us is to be frustrated with this world. Mm-hmm. We don't think about God that way, I think, very often. But it would be, in my mind, God would not be merciful to us if he were to let us live in this fallen world as if this were a garden paradise. Yeah, to be satisfied with the way that, yeah, that yeah. the world is. But of course we couldn't. We could never be that because we weren't made for that. We weren't designed for that. We're designed for God. Right. And uh, so this uh, the sense of injustice that we have or justice, it's in every person in every culture on the planet. Uh, it exists everywhere. I don't think you're ever going to find one culture on the planet that says, you know what, it's good to be a coward like C.S. Lewis brought that up, or it's good to abandon your wife and your children. Yeah, is there a culture on the planet that says that's an honorable man? Let's give that man a reward. <sighs> Ours is getting pretty close. Well, there. Well, we would certainly see some that would just ignore it, mm-hmm. but they're not going to. You're not going to get an award from the city. Thank you for uh, contributing to society. Yeah. So these these types of uh, things, they're they're a good grace of God to lead us to Him. Right. So now we can jump in, I suppose. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry for going off the rails. I threw I really threw you off with that, didn't I? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. You if you disagree, you can tell bit. me. You think your voice can challenge challenge the uh Morgan Freeman? My voice? I mean, no. it's pretty good. No, I, I'd no. let you read uh-huh. if I wrote a book, I'd let you do the audiobook. Oh yeah. It's pretty good. Mm. But it's not it's not on it's oh, not no. that level. It's oh, not no. it's not S level, tier level. No. You know what I mean? It's mm. not that it's not that special. No. That <laughs> thing. I mean, it's way better than your mine. voice is not that special. I mean, yeah. uh, it's way better that. than mine, George. It's that realism. It's way better than mine. But if we're going on like professional, mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah. Not not Morgan Freeman. Sorry, bud. All right, let's bring it back in here. So I, we're going back to Ecclesiastes. <laughs> All right. What's my outline, George? Let's see if you got it. Let's see how much you pay attention. This coffee is not strong enough. <laughs> This morning, so this is what man, this is what happens. You give me you give me five hours to reboot. You yeah. give me a five hours alone to reboot. You never know what's happening next week. Mm-hmm. This coffee is it. 
has not kicked in yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Three movements All of right. thought concerning justice. Okay. Yeah. You got it, dude. You got it. Okay. That's that's it. So you got you got three. And I think you can see them in the text really easily. I like that you said that. That's my hope always. Yeah, I, I yeah, you can I it's not that I could pick out your word your wording. Yeah. But it's that I could see all right, this is where the first point is, this is where the second point is, this is where the third one is. And then when you said it, it's like, yeah, that's, that's a good way of summarizing those verses. Cool. Yeah. Good. So That's a hope. Like, the hope is that people understand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So verse 10 is the observation of injustice. You got it. Right. Verse 11 is the perceived problem of justice delayed. Mm-hmm. And then uh, verses 12 through 13 is the surety of divine justice. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Okay. Which All is right. a play on words. Surety? Hmm? Surety. Yeah. Okay. You just... But that's only you're there. Try, you're just trying, that's to, throw, only you're there trying for to throw this, me off. That's only there for the super morning, discerning. Actually. It's like he, a... He who has ears to hear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First 10, the observation of injustice. Right. And I have a textual question for you. I knew you would. In this verse. Yeah, I knew you would. So, ooh, I, I think we can see this, the observation of injustice. Mm-hmm. The uh, Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This right. also is vanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So think about it, linking to verse, the, beast, the verse that's previous. Mm-hmm. He slides out of that kind of that thought about the governmental leader's Oh, there's governmental leaders who they rule over people to their hurt. I mean, obviously we see that in society everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he moves right into observing a funeral of one of these people, a powerful, influential person who was known to be a wicked person. Everyone knows it, but uh, where he did wickedness, he goes in and out of the holy place as if everything's okay. And uh, not only that, in his life, did was justice not done for this man, but when he died, justice was not done either in that this perplexing thing happens. He calls it an absurdity. Uh, it's a vanity, uh, which in this context means absurd, that the very place where he did wickedness, the people would praise him when he dies. This is a vanity. This is absurd. So it looks like there's a wicked person that did wickedness in his life, never got justice, and not only that, when he died, he was celebrated. This is a vanity. So it's an observation of injustice. So he says out loud the thing that we all think, that the the wicked people, they don't get what's coming. So here's my here's my textual question. Uh You can see it in the in the ESV. Yeah, the the word praised has a footnote. Yes, um, that says that it uh, it could be translated as forgotten. Uh huh. Um, And the the legacy standard even translates it that way. Right. Um, What did did you do any? Did you see anything that was arguing? So I think the I think the Septuagint says. praised yeah um so the holman standard bible has Mm -hmm. praised a few other translations have praised some of the ancient uh well how ancient right the septuagint is pretty old i mean it's Mm -hmm. and they but you do have some old hebrew Mm -hmm. text and they have the word forgotten there's a quote from gill john gill that i looked up he talks about it 
I, will, I mean, every, everyone talks about it, but he said, I think he said the difference is like one letter. Mm. It's a, like a letter difference oh, yeah. in Hebrew, so you can see how it could be cop, a copyist okay. error. Uh-huh. I I think I think contextually praised works better, which okay. is why the ESV went that way. I I believe mm. because I don't think it's a vanity. If he says this is a vanity, it doesn't work with forgotten. So the person, the wicked person, lives in his life. He goes in and out of the holy place, and then he dies, and he's forgotten. How's that a vanity? Mm-hmm. We'd think that would be some type of a good thing. That's a justice in a way. I'm well. I'm that. That was my second question. In what sense is he forgotten? Um, is, is it forgotten as in no one thinks about him, or forgotten in the sense that he did evil and people acted like he? Didn't they? That's the way they, that they forgot. That's the know, way John were, Gill went. So it's almost like he split the difference on the two words. Mm-hmm. It's like they forgot his evilness mm-hmm. and came to his funeral. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So yeah, I didn't. I didn't like go on a, a historical quest. Yeah. Like somebody probably wrote a PhD on this. I prob- <laughs> probably. I, like that's the way things work in the, uh-huh. you know in the right. biblical scholarship world. Mm-hmm. Um. I think contextually I can see that praise would make sense. But if it's forgotten in that they've just forgot his wickedness and celebrated him in his death, Mm -hmm. the same thing occurs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we we see this all the time. And you you gave you gave some some examples of it. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Um the uh the wicked who go in and out of the holy places and are are praised in the city where they've done such things. <laughs> uh, you, I mean, you were an equal, you were an equal opportunity offender. When I read it, like immediately, immediately came to mind mm-hmm. the president, the presidential candidates. Oh yeah, every election cycle, oh, absolutely. Uh, and it doesn't matter, like as you said, equal opportunity offender. Um, I mean, Trump, he's not, he's never been known to be religious at all. All of a sudden, he's like <laughs> right. converted and uh-huh. uh, accepted into every conservative right. Christian church, and yeah. the big ones, the influential ones, they'll mm-hmm. have him in church, behind the pulpit, you know what I mean? And right. here's here's a man who spent his entire life uh, serving the god Mammon, uh, greedy. Um, I, I think that he was rightfully criticized when he did that, that photo op holding up the Bible. Yeah. That was so. That was so lame. It was yeah. so ridiculous. I think we even probably. <laughs> I'm pretty sure criti- we talked about criticized them on here for doing it. Yeah, um, and I, I always ask myself: Are people really this gullible? And the answer is yes. The answer is absolutely yes. Mm. And we always go back to this: that sin, sin makes you stupid. Well, we're you can see that just in the the mainstream Christian social media. Whenever a celebrity is converted, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember. I mean, Kanye was converted. My kids were like, "Dad, Kanye was converted. He's a Christian now." And I mm-hmm. said, uh, "Let's see. Let's see what happens." Mm. <laughs> you know, um, Izzy. How's that working out for? I don't. I don't. How's that, I don't, how's that wait and see? <laughs> yeah, it's not working out too well right now. It's not looking great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean exactly. Uh, Shia LaBeouf. LaBeouf? Shia. LaBeouf? Yeah. LaBeouf? How do you say that? Yeah. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Did you see that he's converted to Catholicism? He did? Mm. Hmm. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But you're, you're, you're right with the, with the politicians, and it's not just, it's not just Trump, right? I yeah. Mean, you see, you it's see like, it with, it's like Christians. Christians are like 
willing to be taken advantage of. It's weird. But yeah, Trump goes in, you know, campaign trail, goes into churches. But Biden too. Biden, you know, Biden's all up all up in these places. Mm. And the big irony with Biden is, I mean, it's such a <clears throat> hypocrisy, I think, like we see here in this text that... Um, well, we, we showed his video a few weeks ago um, where he twists John chapter one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. But he, uh, you know, he was a big champion of crime. Um, 1994 crime bill that he sponsored. And it's, I mean, it's a fact of what it did. It disproportionately locked up uh, black black men, mm. drug possession charges, mandatory minimums, like all kinds of things, um, which didn't wor- really work. I, I suppose it might have worked temporarily to get some drugs off the street, but it just created generational crime. Yeah, It turned people into criminals that probably never would have been criminals. You know, I I ser- uh, uh, I say served. Yeah, I served uh, plumbing. I was in the plumbing, and I told you about the guy before that went <laughs> you served in. in the trenches. Have I talked about him on here before? The yeah, the the your boss. So my boss would hire. Yeah. Any, he he just had a big heart. He'd hire people, man. He'd give them a shot, like a second shot. So one guy had gone to jail on like a minor drug possession, and I, he did seven years. So he goes into jail, not a criminal at all. So think about it. He gets he's away from his kids and his wife and all that you're just gone for seven years for a minor drug charge he comes out a white supremacist because he had to survive and he had to survive in jail so he's he's at that time not a, a he wasn't a believer i don't know if he is now but he goes in comes out a white supremacist having lift weights for seven years straight and you get big and now he's like more prone prone to violence and he's not a criminal, but I mean, he's life's altered. So you do that, you'd multiply that out by thousands. That's Biden. I mean, this is a fact. This is not like even debatable. There's like people have amnesia. It's like it didn't, like their hypnosis came over everybody. And where was Biden at when he was running for office? I mean, he's welcome into black churches. It's just such, it's such a crazy thing to me. Mm. Um, but they they readily welcomed him in. Mm. But this is the nature of the world. This isn't new to Biden or new to Trump. Right? Like this has gone on forever. Mm. Wicked men are honored in places where they should not be honored. Yeah. Um, and one of the places, unfortunately, we see that is in the church. Wicked wicked men love to hide in religious places. Mm. Um, and that's what he sees first. It's interesting. I'm I'm looking at different translations of this verse and. Uh, the net net translation mm. um, says, uh, "I've seen the wicked approaching and entering the temple, and as they left the holy temple, they boasted in the city that they had done so." Mm. Yikes! Yeah, that's a that's a pretty uh, that's pretty good. What mm. wh- what is the net Bible? New English translation. New English translation. It's um, is it like a dynamic dynamic equivalence. I, I I think it tries to be more more literal. Uh, more literal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like the Holman sounds. Kind of like maybe they've the got a, would they, do some the, things. The net um, the net study Bible has a lot of translating notes. Okay, I need to check that out more. Yeah, that seems like it could be valuable. So, yeah, you've got you've got these wicked people. They go into the holy place. They yeah. go into the temple. They act religious. 
they come out and it, they hey hey it's all good yeah, everything's okay all they good. die they die and people come to their funeral and praise them for being a good person <laughs> right yeah they die and yeah they probably erect a statue like like stalin Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, crazy! It's crazy. And, and Stalin, I think I even maybe mentioned him. I didn't have him planned as an illustration, but it just popped popped into the old mind. Uh, Stalin, the millions of people. I mean, this is uh, one of the most evil men to ever walk planet Earth. Yeah, wicked. And well, his killed more than Hitler, right? I believe so. Yeah, and, and starved his own people, all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. Yeah. Bad stuff. His funeral was cult-like mania. Mm. It was nuts. You should Google it. Give it a Google. It's worth it. And, yeah. you, and you think, everyone knew he ruled them like a maniac. Yeah. It's so strange. Fallen people are weird. They're re- <laughs> we're really... Hum, human. The fall really, really messed us up. Mm. We, won't praise, we won't praise God has done nothing but good to us every second of our life. But let Joseph Stalin die, right? And we'll we'll praise him for the next you know five days by the millions. <laughs> Crazy, <laughs> Crazy man. Yeah. And so something similar happens here. He, he observes the funeral and he says, "This is a vanity. Mm. This is absolute absurdity. It is illogical. It makes no sense." But this is the reality of things, and we can see, you know, we can see that this happen and. We can be perplexed. I think Solomon, to a degree, is perplexed. As I said, he says the quiet part out loud. That's what he does. This has bothered all of us, if we're honest. Um, we can observe how people live and they die, and it looks like they never get justice. And maybe even that's happened to you. Some, some, someone did something to you, and or your family, and uh, they got away with it. Will there ever be justice? And it appears, if we just make this observation, no. Maybe the answer is no. But we don't want to stop there. As I said, he's kind of taking us through these, this mm-hmm. way he's thinking about it. So this next kind of movement of his thoughts goes to the second point, which is the perceived problem of justice delayed, and that's verse 11. It's just one verse. Mm-hmm. Because the sentence against an evil deed is, is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. And what I said first was that this verse is one of these verses that could be Taken out of context, perhaps someone could even preach a single sermon on just this point out of context, and it could communicate a truth that's there, but not really get to what he's driving us toward. Um, So when you just kind of read it, pop it out of what's around it, it appears to say that when the government, when governmental leaders don't punish evildoers and wickedness speedily, like when justice isn't carried out speedily, he's not saying that justice isn't done, just that it's delayed. Mm-hmm. Like we see, we have that in our justice, uh, on our, our uh, almost a justice department, but that's not what I'm looking for in our, uh, in our court systems. Yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got guys that can be on death row for right. 20 years, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think happens when you don't punish, uh, pedophiles? Mm like what they deserve. Well, then you just you just like poured fertilizer on society to encourage other pedophiles. You know, my theory is is if you Facebook live streamed a pedophile being torn apart by horses, 
there'd be a lot less pedophiles. Drawn, drawn and quartered. Drawn and quartered. A lot less pedophiles in the world. I guarantee it. You know what I mean? That uh, we that will never happen. We'll just uh, give them, you know, good food and cable TV, and they'll spend a few years in jail. Then they'll get out and re repeat repeat offend. Like we're we're a wicked society. Mm. So yes, this makes total sense. We can see it happening all around us when there's not justice done speedily. Men's hearts become all the more committed to doing evil, and evil spreads. Other men do wickedness as well. That's true. That's obviously true. But, but, yeah. So not, the but, not uh, not the 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 main point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so if we keep if we keep it more in the context, I think there's something he helps us uh, to grapple with with something that might be bothering us that we haven't told other people about. That's this: who could do something about all these bad people? If there is an injustice, there's a wicked man that maybe is untouchable to the rest of us. Well, who could touch him? Who who could do something about? It? Who could give justice? Right. And we all know God could. God could immediately have struck down Joseph Stalin at the beginning of his life. As he started to do his wickedness, God could have just hit him with a lightning bolt or just made him, like, melt, you know? And we wish, like, God, what? There's all this, you delay justice, God, and now look at the world. It just makes it worse. Yeah, there's there's frustration yeah. in that. We We wonder why... Why is God letting this kind of mm-hmm. society flourish? Right. Well, where is the justice? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it becomes worse when it becomes more personal because we can look at injustice out of the world and it could bother us for a little bit, but then we're going to move on, right? That's just how we are. But then when it becomes personal, when there's personal injustice, we just can't let it go. And if we don't continue to think about it correctly, we might think God's unjust. He doesn't care. Uh, Look how there's this long delayed justice. It's never done. This person could live his whole life. He's got a better life than I do even. You know, (laughs) he's prospering in every way. I mean, that's what what Asaph says in... Psalm seventy three, mm. right? Mm-hmm. We Solomon's grappled with it already a couple times too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but it, when it's really personal, it really bothers us, and we think God, you could do something about it, but you don't. Is there injustice in God? Maybe He's not who I thought He was. Maybe He's not good. Maybe, maybe God's, maybe He's not real. People go that way. That that's the way this this takes them. Mm-hmm. Now, Solomon is raising. I think this. But that's not his main point. His main point is to get us not to so much ask why God's doing that, but to see what is wrong with man. But it creates this perceived problem. But the answer to the problem, I think, um, if we keep going, we can ask ourselves, why does God let a wicked person live their entire life? Maybe they live till they're 100 and then they die. Why does God do that? Well, there's a twofold answer. And the first is that God's merciful. Um, he's delayed his justice for, for a reason, and the reason is that we had, a wicked person would turn from his wickedness, that he would repent. Mm. 
<clears throat> Romans 2.4, in the section of Romans dealing with the universal uh, nature of human sin and depravity, you find this verse. Do you presume upon the riches and kindness and forbearance and patience of God's patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? So with the wicked, God is not immediately judging them, and is a good thing, by the way, because we're all we're all wicked. Yeah, Second um, Peter chapter three verse nine. Mm-hmm. Um, Arminians might be surprised that we too believe this verse. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> that um, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. God's, so God's, I think his disposition of who he is in his character and nature is not uh, to immediately dish out justice. Not that he's not going to, because he is just, and he always does, and he always will. But it's to give, hopefully, people time to repent. He's given you more time to repent of your sinfulness and to return to him. Um, But there's another flip side to God's delay. God's delay also serves as the means to harden people's heart. We don't think about it that way, but God's revealing to us just how absolutely terrible we are, because we really think we are so great. <laughs> we just really think we're so good and so great. Um, and God says, all right, well, I'll delay. And my delay is because I'm gracious and merciful, but I'm also going to just show you how absolutely terrible you are. Right. Because you'll use my goodness and delay as a license to sin. Mm. You'll, not, you'll not use it as I intend, You'll use it for the exact opposite. You'll say, I'll just harden my heart all the more, and I'll sin even more. Um, but you can see it, right? <clears throat> you see it happen all, all the time. Somebody gets away with something. Um, they weren't. They never got punished for it, and then someone else goes, well, I'll try it too. I'll do it too. Now, you multiplied that over thousands and thousands of years from the very beginning of time and Adam to now, and we just keep inventing and getting worse at sinning, uh, worse and worse. Our hearts grow harder and harder and colder and colder. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of Psalm 10 when you were talking about this, because that's that's kind of the thrust of it, is that the wicked are prospering and doing you know whatever they want, and all day long they say there is no God. Mm-hmm. And, and what they mean by that is not they're atheist, it's that God doesn't see. Doesn't, yeah. He doesn't see. He doesn't care. He doesn't act. Mm-hmm. God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Yep. Yep. Which really is what every, I mean, everybody does that yeah. when they sin, yeah. don't they? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. They pretend as if God isn't just. Mm-hmm. He's not going. He doesn't know. He's not going to do anything about it. Yeah. And so that's why it's the perceived problem because what you perceive is not reality. What you perceive originally upon observation is that God's not just. But he's actually, actually what you're perceiving is God's mercy and his grace toward us, wanting and, and, and hoping that we will repent of our wickedness, but we do what Paul says that we do. Uh, we do the exact opposite. Um, and we shouldn't presume that God's not going to... So the, as, as you pointed out in that psalm, what happens is that 
we think we can start to think God doesn't care about justice. And we think, well, God doesn't care about justice. Um, justice is never going to be done. And if you're in rebellion against God and you're wicked, you think God doesn't care about justice. He's never going to judge me. But justice is coming. Um, justice is coming for the wicked. Um, and if you're if you're listening and you're outside of Christ, you're not a Christian. Justice is coming for you. Mm-hmm. And if we just stop there, we'd go. Okay, well, how? <laughs> but there's a third third thought movement, movement of his train of thought. Mm-hmm. And that's the surety of divine justice in 12 and 13. Oh, just, you hear that? Neat pop? I heard it. That pop is going to be heard on the podcast. Yeah. Falling apart. So, yeah, the, I'll take a little break and take a drink of water. <laughs> okay. How about that? <laughs> you know, I was... I was uh, chasing rabbits while you were preaching yesterday and i was thinking in that second point uh there's a there's a scene in um fellowship of the ring mm-hmm. have you read fellowship of the ring mm-hmm. nope nope i haven't read it so the, people told me george the movie's better than the book so i should what i shouldn't read who it who told you that <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> i just wanted to see you i just wanted to see you get riled up over there who who uh, who needs your... who needs church discipline yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a scene in which um, they uh, they discover that Gollum is is following them. Mm-hmm. So you know Gollum. Mm-hmm. You've seen you've seen the movies, though, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Well, um, Frodo he says that uh, it's a, it's a pity that Bilbo didn't kill Gollum when he had a chance, mm. and Gandalf says it was actually pity that stayed his hand. Hmm. Um, even the wise can't see all the ends. Perhaps Gollum still has a, a part to play. Hmm. And That's if good. you and I mean, if you've seen the movies or read the books, mm-hmm. you know that Gollum does have a, a major part uh-huh. um, at the very end um, to destroy the ring. And if just you know justice, he he deserved to to die. He was I mean he's a he's a monster. <laughs> if if Bilbo had. Um, exacted justice on Gollum when he had the chance then he wouldn't be there to to actually bring it into the ring mm. um so uh, 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 that was just an illustration that I it's like a hidden I providence well mm. it's, it's it's in the book like that. oh yeah providence plays a huge role in those books yeah oh yeah nice yeah cool yeah so the surety of divine justice that's next mm. Um, 12 and 13 breaks humanity up into two groups here. Uh, this is what he does. There are two groups of people in this text. There are those that it will not go well with and those uh, that it will go well with. And there, there's only one difference between the two, and that's that those that fear God, it will go well with them. Those that do not fear God, it will not go well with them. Though it looks like they prolong their days, they sin a hundred times and get away with it, and they are prolonging their days, in the end, they will not prolong their days like a shadow. It will not go well with them. And the only difference between these two groups is that the difference between the wicked and these that it goes well with, the righteous, is that one group fears God, the other does not fear God. Okay. So what you uh, you explained a little bit about what fear Mm. of the lord means i uh i had a years ago 
I had a, a Facebook interaction with one of my, my old elementary school teachers. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I was, I, she's uh, like, I had, she's I, like, George, don't talk to me about theology. Yeah. You used to eat the glue sticks. <laughs> I, uh, I, I posted something about fearing the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, she commented something like, I, I don't think we're supposed to fear the Lord. We're supposed to love him. And I, I don't even remember everything she said, but it was, it was, you know, fearing the Lord, that language is is wrong when applied to how we're supposed to respond to God. We're not mm-hmm. supposed to fear him because he's, you know, buddy Jesus who's, right. you know, just winking at us. Um, <clears throat> what, what's it mean to fear the Lord? Some, so some people think fear the Lord, we mean like you're afraid, like, a, like you ever see a dog that's been beat, mm. you go up to it and like you start to put your hand out and it's like, uh-huh. it yeah, yeah. like it'll like kind of pull away because uh-huh. it's afraid, it right. fears you. Uh-huh. And some people think like that's what fearing God is like, you're afraid mm-hmm. that he's, you know, this, but that's not it. Um, I don't know if I explained it very well. It works in my mind. Um, what did you think? I, yeah, I, I thought it was good. Okay. But it would be, it would, I think it would be good to yeah. repeat it here and. So often you'll hear it's reverential awe, right. which is correct, but yeah. you need to go further mm. because, as I said before, many people have reverential awe for other gods, uh-huh. other religions, other devotion, even Satanists. Like we were talking about this, the word, the the, the weird Satanism and reemergence in America and how they're, you know, they try to like control their marketing, their image and stuff. <laughs> but they have reverential awe for their, yeah, their false god. Mm. Um, Chiefs fans have reverential awe for Mahomes. I said that Sunday morning, um, and then he won the Super Bowl. So even more so now. Mm-hmm. But they do. They love him. Yeah, he's like the you know the Messiah with uh, that talks like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't heard his voice, uh, <laughs> you're going to want to go now and listen to Patrick Mahomes talk. All I know about Patrick Mahomes, and I may get some, I may get some some flack from this is that his wife is insufferable <laughs> his brother's even worse man. oh yeah yeah his oh, brother is, yeah his Pray brother for is. Patrick Mahomes, y'all. y'all think he's good because he won the super bowl <laughs> you think he's good because he won the super bowl yeah but that man surrounded by those those two uh, he needs your prayers <laughs> he needs them he needs them real bad yeah but the people love him they worship him they they have a reverential awe mm-hmm. for him if they were to meet him i they would be they would be like 10 seconds from falling at his feet mm. it's like little girls at a justin bieber concert you remember that how they would cry tears and mm. like faint for him mm. they'd like faint and stuff like like he was todd bentley or something uh <laughs> 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 Mm. They pass out like they just got kicked just in the face. Just got kicked in the face okay. by Bieber, by Bieber's good looks, his boyish good looks. Uh, <laughs> George, you got to stop laughing so hard, man. You're throw, no, you're throwing me off. Well, don't, well, don't say ridiculous things. <laughs> oh. All right, bring me back. Now you got to walk me back. You got to walk me back in. Larry. Larry, bring me back. Fear of the Lord. <laughs> Reverential awe. Yeah, yeah. So what? Mahomes, like people get it though, right? People have this love for Mahomes. And it it wasn't, it's meant to be humorous, I guess, in a way, but it's true. People worship Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. like for real. Um, they may not call it that, but they do. 
and they have this reverence for him. Mm. Um, now, in other people, we're not talking about what people can do in other religions, okay? People can have this reverence for whatever, yeah. false God. <clears throat> but So we have to go beyond that. When the Bible talks about fearing God, as Solomon is talking about fearing God, he's talking about something more than just reverence and awe. That's included. Mm-hmm. But it's relational, covenantal, we could say. But relational is maybe a more common term that people may know. It's relational, all-filled, love, and joyful, I'm going to use the word Piper doesn't like, duty <laughs> bound to submission. Piper doesn't have a category where duty can be joyful. Mm. And he doesn't understand that because he's never been around military people, I think. Duty is a big thing in military. And yes, duty can be joyful. Mm. It's a service. It's an act of service. It's also a duty. Right. I think serving God is a ju- joyful duty. Mm. If someone dies for you, you owe them your life. And that's how I that's how I view it. Yeah. Um, so joyful duty bound submission. There's a bad word in our in our culture. Relational, all filled, love, joyful, duty bound submission. Hmm. I just kind of boiled it down to it's it's because we hear fear and we think an emotion. Yeah. But it's it's an emotion that um, translates into action. Yep. Yep. Hundred percent right. If you if you fear the Lord, you're not just scared of Him, mm-hmm. right? Um, it it translates into I'm going to change the way I live in light of who He is. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, if if you want, if this if this helps, we've talked about living in God's world, God's way. Mm-hmm. Well, if the world is a simulation, uh, I don't think that it is, I think simulations imitate reality, right? But the universe, the world has built into it like unbreakable laws. Um, you break them, you, sh- you certainly can break many of these laws, but you do it to your own detriment, mm-hmm. right? So God, let's just think of one. God's design for human flourishing and happiness is one man and one woman together for life, mated pair, soul, soulmates. The two become one flesh, this transcends any other human relationship in the world, and if you do it God's way, it's not a speculation. If you do it God's way, and you grow together, Angie and I were just talking about this. We got married so young, people today would say, don't get married that young. I tell my kids, when you're ready to get married, you need to get married. Don't delay, mm-hmm. because our identity is bound to each other. Mm. You, I can't even describe myself apart from her. Because like that, those formational years when you're, you know, between like 18 and 30 years old, like people form their own identities separately now. Mm. That's not God's design. God's design is that you'd form an entire identity with that other person. Mm. Um, and that's good. It's better than anything that the world has. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they invent. And then if God gives his blessing and as he opens and closes the womb... And he gives you children, um, and you and you raise the children as God has designed. Well, that gives them a this great protection. It gives them this good life. Um, it doesn't give them. It doesn't give them maybe all of the things that people think they need for a good life, but the things that God says that a child needs, they get. Well, we can live that way in God's universe, and it can be good for us, or we cannot. We could have an entirely self-centered life. I mean, there are some people that just, they just say, I'm not ever going to get married. I don't want to. 
I'll have various sexual partners and that'll give me some satisfaction and then I'll commit myself to my career. Uh, maybe later in life I could adopt a child. Maybe not, probably not, because then I won't get to go on sweet vacations, you know. Well, they may say their life is good. I'm not rich. I guarantee you their life is not as good as mine. I don't care what they say. I don't care what that man says. He might have a, a jet and, you know, go on to ridiculous places in the world and be rich. This is living in God's world, God's way. You apply that to, we've talked about it here before, living in God's world, God's way. That is, that is wisdom, and that's what this book is. It's wisdom literature. And when we fear God, we love Him. We're joyfully duty-bound to submission to Him. Um, that means we're now trying to live in God's world, God's way. And mm -hmm. that's what you said. You had summarized it beautifully. It's this uh, relational affection that leads us to action mm -hmm. in the world and to a certain way of living. And God has a way for us to live, um, and it's a good way. And that's what the fear of the Lord is. But you can't separate out the fear of the Lord from, from Christ. It's an impossibility. You can't fear the Lord and not love Jesus Christ. Right. It's an impossibility. You can't mm -hmm. do it. Um, and, you know, Jesus summarizes it in many different ways. Um, I read two, but there were so many. Oh, well, first I'll back up. Should I talk about not fearing the Lord from Romans? What it looks like to not fear? Yeah, yeah. So one way you can know oh, what fearing the Lord yeah, is. Yeah, it helps us to know what it means to do it. Yeah. yeah. So one way, you know, it's a good teaching technique employed by Paul, Jesus. Um, what does it not look like to fear the Lord? Romans 3, 10 through 18 tells us. And he's this verse is about the universal problem of the human condition, right? That we're all we're all sinners. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. Um, what do we look like apart from God? Romans three ten through eighteen tells us: No one is righteous, no not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In the in their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Mm. So those that don't fear God, I mean, they they don't know peace. They're violent, swift to shed blood, and their ways ruin and misery. They curse people. They're bitter. Uh, their mouths are venomous. Their tongues are deceitful. Um, they turn aside. That's someone that doesn't fear God. So someone who fears God then would be the opposite of that be yeah. fleeing all of those things but, which again it just it just highlights the fact that fearing the lord is something that uh, moves you to act a certain way mm -hmm. right. tornado sirens are going off you hear it i hear it i wonder if it'll come through on the podcast let me know in the comments below <laughs> you ever hear people say this though <laughs> yeah let me know do you hear the tornado sirens um sorry george <laughs> uh, so we can see what it looks like, right, from what it doesn't look like. Uh, Jesus, Jesus, of course, the, mo the, the masterful teacher, um, he says in Matthew 16, 24 through 26, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So for Jesus, it looks like self-denial, 
Uh, it looks like taking up your cross. It looks like following the way of Christ. Um, in a world today, we're anti anti self denial. Fulfill yourself. You know, chase the longings of your heart. If it feels like it's the right thing, it probably is the right thing. Where Jesus says the exact opposite: deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. He also says, if you love, me, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's John fourteen twenty three. So if anyone loves me, like Jesus loves us, he lays down his life for us. Uh, if we love him, we will then keep his word. It's really that simple. It's not keep his word in order to earn his favor, and then he'll love you. It's he loves you. He already demonstrated that love for you and dying for you and rising from from the dead. Now, if you love him, if you love him back, maybe you follow his teachings. Mm -hmm. You follow his word. Um, The one who fears God, who loves Jesus Christ, it will go well with that person. Mm. It won't go well, though, with those who do not fear God. And that's where we need to to land because um, people may be hearing how you're describing, um, you know, a godly marriage and how this is better than this other lifestyle. And it doesn't often look that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, often the, uh, you know, even the godliest of marriages go through ups and downs mm-hmm. and there's, there's trials, there's, there's difficult times. Um, yeah. but you know, you see these, uh, these people that, aren't tied down with one person and they just do whatever they want. And it seems like they've got everything that they, right. You you look at Hollywood and you see these people that have been married, you know, five times and they're rich and famous and people follow them around and take pictures. And they always look happy and they always look happy. Yeah. And, um, what do you do with that? And that's, that's really what Solomon Mm -hmm. is, Mm -hmm. is getting at because, these are the type of people that it looks like everything is is fine, even if they are wicked, they are praised. Right, they're praised. They die, and people talk about how good a person they are, and it seems like it goes well with them. But Solomon's point is is that the the, wick, the wicked the the uh, the sinner can do evil a hundred times, and it even look and, and prolong his life, prolong his life. Yet it doesn't go well with them. So what does that mean? So it, he didn't get schizophrenic where he says he prolongs life, but oh, he won't pro- prolong his life. Mm-hmm. I already know, like, there's probably some person on on Twitter that's been like, shared this with a Christian as a gotcha. Hey, look, you guys have contradictions within two verses. <laughs> right. uh, you know, in, in two verses, the Bible contradicts itself. Well, what is he saying? You know, uh, shadows prolong at the end of the day. Mm. Pretty fast, too, actually. Go out when the sun's setting and just watch your own shadow if you want to get the impact of this verse. So no matter how long a wicked person prolongs his life and his wickedness, eventually, like when the sun goes down, the shadow just disappears. In an instant, it's gone because your life ends no matter what. You may live 100 years, but eventually your life's going to end. And at that time, when that time comes, it's judgment. That's what it means that it will not go well with them. When will it not go well? Well, when they die. He's. What are you doing over Whoa. there? <laughs> microphone. <laughs> what that collapsing. microphone ever do to you, Jay? Well, they're slapping it. Yeah, I mean, remember, he's observing a funeral. Mm-hmm. It's not going well with the man that died, right? Though it observed it at, at first when we started started this, we thought, man, maybe he got away with his wickedness, mm-hmm. but he doesn't get away with his wickedness. He stands mm-hmm. before God in judgment, right? 
So that's it. That's the that's the point. That's the train of thought. That's where the thought is going. Um, we have this sense of justice. It looks like a terrible thing to us, and, and it and that just shows us that I think that to some degree, though, we are. The image of God is marred in the fall. Even those that are not Christians, non-believers, can see that it looks like an injustice was done, and it looks like they died, and it looks like they got away with it. Solomon says, no. Mm-hmm. No one gets away with it. There's justice. There is justice in this universe. That thing you have mm-hmm. is right. It just so happens um, that justice isn't done until the next life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I missed... S- I missed a good portion of your uh, the end of your sermon because I had to take oh. my youngest out. He uh, decided that he wasn't going to be sitting still and listening, so I had to take him out for oh. a few minutes. Uh, I came back, and you were talking about Immanuel Kant, and I stopped, <laughs> okay. and I was like, what is happening here? What is happening? What is happening here? <laughs> yeah, what, yeah. What did I miss? And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I should tell you this. I don't want you to feel bad, but I was talking about I was talking about it with my community group, and I was trying to get them to tell me what it was about, and they they couldn't tell me. I was like, "Well, I'll let Jay know that it was really impactful." <laughs> it, went, it went over their head. So maybe I went too maybe, fast. Maybe maybe we can talk about it here, <laughs> so I know what's going on, yeah. and maybe it will help. It will help people if they hear a conversation okay. yeah, about yeah. it. So you were talking well, about Emmanuel Kant, and it was they might have tuned me out because I said. To the non-believer here, mm. maybe they were like, "Oh, okay, well, I don't need to pay attention." <laughs> Is that what happened? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. Uh, it was a. Man- it was one of Immanuel Kant's proofs for God, right? Uh-huh. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. And it's it's the sense of justice, right? Okay, so let's walk let's walk through it, and maybe mm-hmm. we can make sure that uh, the people grasp it. Yeah. So you start with the the understanding, right? That even. Uh, people that would profess to be agnostic or atheist have this this idea of justice that they just can't shake. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they may they may ignore it when they see it out there in the world, but when it's done personally to them, they always want that that wrong to be righted. Mm-hmm. So they have a sense of sense of oughtness. I think C.S. Lewis describes it as mm-hmm. a sense of oughtness. Mm-hmm. So Kant he argues from this sense of justice uh, to the biblical God. Okay. So for there to be justice in the world uh, we we have to survive death. Mm. That's the starting point. Yeah. Um, if we don't, and that's it's perfect for this because this is exactly what Solomon is talking about. Mm. It looks like people die and there's no justice, mm-hmm. but the sense of it in us says there's got to be. Yeah. And so, f- and that's that's good because mm-hmm. we think of people like Hitler. Mm-hmm. Um, that if if he just you know pulled the trigger, and he's space dust right well that's not there's no justice there right that's right yeah he never if if there's no eternal life literally nothing matters right why would you not just want to become the next genghis khan mm-hmm. but so i always think about genghis khan right he lived the most logical mm. he you know that like how many people are related to genghis khan it's insane it's it's a good it's like twenty five percent of the world. That's yeah. <laughs> a portion of the world. How right? are twenty five percent of the world related related against Khan? Well, he was absolutely brutal, right? And conquered. Mm. Is he the original colonizer? I don't know. Maybe colonizing the whole human race, <laughs> even till now, crazy. So think about what he did. 
That makes the most sense. If you're a materialist, Darwinist, if you're a Darwinian evolutionist materialist, mm. get power. There's no right or wrong, so you can apply even Nietzsche's philosophies to it. Mm. Dominate power. Like, who will be the most powerful? Dominate. Spread your genetics as far and as wide as you can. Um, but nobody lives like that. Right. We're too civilized now. But Genghis Khan, he did. Mm. Um, and nothing he did or Hitler did or Stalin did or anyone does actually means anything right. if there's no eternal life. Mm. But everything in you screams it can't be. It can't be that Hitler shot himself and got away with everything. Right. And that's right. And so Solomon begins there. Some people don't like, you know, they presuppositionalists may would say, this you're giving an evidentialist argument. And I disagree, and here's why I disagree, because I think that this is actually a... Um, this argument is kind of a Romans 1 type of argument. Right. I think yeah, what I think it so. Yeah, I think what it does is it shows it shows the unbeliever the uh the, how they're suppressing the truth and unrighteousness and how it's right in front of their face. Right. It's like are you can't, you can't get away from it. Yeah. So we have to survive the grave because if there's not eternal life there's no justice. So um next uh what's necessary next is that in this in this life beyond the grave, that there there has to be a judge. There's got to be an ultimate judge that can judge everyone, um, someone who can distribute justice. The judge himself has to become. He has to be perfectly just, incorruptible. Mm. Not not only perfectly just, incapable of being corrupted. Mm. Perfect, right. morally perfect. Um, otherwise, perhaps you could bribe him with some good. Side, his side with Hitler. Maybe you could even buy an indulgence. Mm -hmm. huh? But God's perfectly just, right. and so that's what he says is necessary for perfect justice. So for the perfectly just judge, uh, for him to be perfect, he'd have to have infinite knowledge or else he could rule incorrectly. He might, he, he could be like, you know, maybe we'll talk about it on Friday, With maybe we'll get into some of the MacArthur stuff, but we're, no matter how good of judges we would be, we'll always be imperfect because we don't have infinite knowledge. But God has infinite knowledge. If there is going to be perfect justice, he must always get it right, and to always get it right, he must know everything. Mm. So then you move on to the next. He's got to be able to carry out a just sentence. And in order to do that, he's got to be powerful. Mm. He's got to be all-powerful. More powerful than anything in the universe. Any entity... Mm. Mm -hmm. any force, any person, power over everyone and everything, the perfect, just, omnipotent judge. And I think that's where where we as believers can get some comfort because we can we can feel that that frustration with the injustice in this world and even with um, the the justice that we, can enforce in this world it, it doesn't seem like enough mm -hmm. like, let, let's imagine a, you know some kind of alternate history where um the allies do capture hitler and they put him on trial for war crimes and they sentence him to death mm -hmm. that's still that still doesn't seem like right. justice mm -hmm. right he kills six million and he dies right that that still doesn't seem like perfect justice but that's the best we can do right mm -hmm. so the fact that there is this perfect judge who knows all things and has the power to enact perfect justice should be an encouragement to us mm -hmm. 
that even though we feel that frustration, right? That there is one who is going to mm-hmm. dole out perfect justice. Yes, it should be a great. It should be, and it, it is. Uh, it should really be a encouragement to you if you've had anyone do something, any you know, something to you, mm-hmm. to know that they don't get away with it. Right. They died. They don't get away with yeah, it. And we talk. We talk about um, you know abortion. And how even though Roe Roe versus Wade has been overturned, that you can still go to the drugstore and you can still buy an abortion pill and and babies are still being murdered. Mm -hmm. Well, the the best justice from the Supreme Court is to overturn Roe versus Wade right now. Mm -hmm. But it's not perfect justice mm-hmm. right it's there's there's still there's still injustice being performed right and not only that there's the there's this uh, problem that um you have like over 65 million i think now babies that have been aborted and mm. do we think their blood doesn't cry out for justice right. Right. and we we literally see at the, the very first murder yeah that god says that his blood cries for justice mm. About sixty-five million crying for justice. Right. Um, are we to think they're not going to get it? Mm. They're going to get it. Right. They're going to get justice. Uh, God. God will get justice for them, mm-hmm. and for Himself, because all sin is against God ultimately. Right. Um, and that should free us in a way also to be for more forgiving. Mm. And we, I talked about that for a while. I think that's a big app- Christian might be thinking, okay, well. I can see how this could help me if I'm facing injustice, mm-hmm. that, I, that I don't fall into this bad trail of thinking God's not just, and then maybe even leading me into apostasy. <clears throat> um, but immediately you could see how it's applicable that we should be willing to forgive people, because mm-hmm. there is a judge, and he's just, right. um, and we can trust him. Yeah. So we can forgive people when they've wronged us. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but it also should be a warning for unbelievers because it's it's easy to think about people like Hitler or Stalin. They're right. going to get they're going to get they're theirs. Gonna, yeah, they're they're going to get their justice, but they're going to get uh, what's coming. Where where God, like you said, God is going to get His justice, mm-hmm. and all sins are against Him. Mm-hmm. We are all sinners. We need to remember that justice is going to be served for us. Also, right. it's not just the Hitlers uh-huh. that get justice. It's it's us, it's us in our sin, and so we need to take seriously um, the words of Solomon. We need to think it's not going to go well for those who don't fear God, but for those who do mm. fear God, it will go well. So while there's still time, repent and yeah. trust in Christ. Uh-huh. Um, where um, on the cross, God's perfect justice was poured out not against us, but against our sins on Jesus. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, that's right. Um, and in Acts 17, 30 through 31, preaching of Paul, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given us an assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Mm. This person, Jesus Christ, will judge everyone. Everyone will stand before God in your flesh. Yeah. That's what people forget. <clears throat> You will be raised to life, even if you're a non-believer, and you will stand before Jesus Christ. You'll look him in the eye. He will judge you. Every thought, every word that you've ever said, everything you've ever done will be judged by Jesus Christ. Um, so you want to be before him, 
standing before him as one who has repented. Mm-hmm. You want to kiss the sun. Kiss as, the sun, right? Be right? Wise. Kiss the sun. Be wise and kiss the sun. Um, stand before him in his own righteousness and be welcomed as a brother or sister, mm. right? And that's a free gift. John 5, 21 through 24 tells us that the Father actually isn't going to do the judging. He's given all judgment to the Son as a way of honoring Him so that all would honor the Son just as they honor the Father. And if anyone doesn't honor the Son, they don't have the Father. Hmm. So believe on the Son and and be saved and have eternal life. Hmm. Uh, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your sin. Trust Him. Yeah. Um, so that's it. That's Ecclesiastes 10 through 13. Exploring injustice. Eight, eight uh, ten yeah. through thirteen. Yeah, eight, ten through thirteen. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, uh, do you have do you have the video pulled up? I've got it. Oh yeah. Right. I've do got. You have I've, it? Do you I have think it? I've got it. I think Let's this see. is it. It's Let's only see. it's only fifty five minutes long. Uh, it's from Ligonier Ministries. Fifty five minutes long. Fifty uh, fifty five seconds. Excuse me. Fifty five. About to say, seconds. George. Yeah, fifty five seconds. I, I think this is. I think this is the one. Um, how do you explain sin to an unbeliever? That's probably it. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. Both of my brothers are unsaved. One believes there is no such thing as sin, therefore there is no need for a savior. How do I answer this question? How do I explain sin? Steal his wallet. Look at him laughing over there. R.C. Sproul. No one like him. Next. <laughs> uh, look how uncomfortable Sinclair Ferguson was. You see how uncomfortable he was? <laughs> Going once. He's biting his fingernails <laughs> now. All right. Okay. <laughs> they just they just didn't know what to do with him. <laughs> Sinclair Ferguson over here biting his nails. Like, did he say that? <laughs> yeah. There yeah. You go. And so you steal his wallet because he's going to get mad. Mm-hmm. Not that you won't give it back, but he's right. going to be like, he's going. I've been wronged, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, but there's no, there's no. I thought there was no nothing. Mm. There's no wrongs. There's no yeah. sin. Right. Yeah, that's good. There you go. R.C. Sproul. All right. Well, Jay, thanks for preaching for yeah. us. It was good. Uh, very helpful. Where are we going next? Just going to continue on. <laughs> Just going to continue on the verse, George. We're going to keep going in Ecclesiastes. Well, I know that by now. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to pick it on up there in verse 14. So next we'll talk about some of the, um, well, we're going to talk about the realism in the world, I think. You know, part of that is uh, not getting answers. We, we don't have, we don't always get answers. We, don't, we won't always get answers. And in particular, we can never actually exhaust knowledge of God. I think that's something we need to understand and, and how that can actually lead us to a real reverential fear and awe of God. Um. You're just not, there's things in this world you're not going to know. I think that's kind of the way, the angle where we go on next week. Okay. And then after that, it'll be everyone's favorite day because we'll have a whole sermon on death. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Right. Well, thanks for that sass, Jay. I appreciate that. When I ask you a question, just. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, you mean next in the verse? I was just joking. Just joking, George. Yeah. All right. Well, it's always, uh, always a uh, entertaining, entertaining time with you, Jay. Yeah. Appreciate it. Appreciate the conversation. All right. Well, hopefully this has been 
beneficial for you, helpful for you. Uh, if it has been, make sure to like, subscribe, share. Um, if you have any questions or comments, make sure to put those in the uh, the comment section under this video, and we will do our best to uh, to get back with you. All right. Well, until next time, hope you have a good week, and we will see you on Friday for Free for All Friday.